Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. How many of you would say, I'm just tired of it all? Tired of it all, right? I'm tired of all of the voices and all of the opinions and all of the differences out there. I'm I'm tired of all the arguments that are taking place among people and tired of the arguments on social media. And speaking of media, anybody else tired of the media? Ah, so tired of the media, stoking the fires of strife and fear. And, And I'm tired. You know what else I'm tired of? I'm tired of the violence. I'm I'm tired of a gut-wrenching video of a young African-American man out for a run. And he's shot in the street. I'm tired of the violence of another man handcuffed and killed by a police officer. I'm tired of the violence. I'm tired of the violence of store owners who finally get to open their stores only to watch them get looted, pillaged, and burned to the ground. I'm tired. I'm tired of the violence Uh, against good cops being demonized, rocks and frozen water bottles being thrown at them and and being shot and killed. Anybody else tired of it all? Just tired. It's, it's It's mentally exhausting these last couple weeks, and it's emotionally draining, and your head hurts, and your heart hurts. And, and what are we supposed to do? And by the way, I'm, being, I'm tired of people telling me what I should do. Or what I shouldn't do. I'm tired of people telling us what we should believe. Or what we shouldn't believe. I'm just tired of everybody's opinion. Whether it's strong or different or whatever it is. So what I want to do is I just want to free you this morning. All right, Everybody just take a deep breath. Breathe out. I just want to to free you. Because you know what? The The only opinion that matters is God's. Nobody else's opinion matters. The only one that matters is God's. And so I just need to do what he wants me to do. And you just need to do what he wants you to do. And you may say, well, what does God want me to do? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Micah. The book of Micah. And if you have your Bibles, Micah is this cool little book. Now, where is it? Well, it's in the Bible. Okay, where? If you go to the book of Matthew, the very first book in your Bible, and you work your way back from Matthew, six little skinny, tiny little books to to Micah. That's where it is. Micah is known as a minor prophet. Not minor because of minor importance. Minor because he's very brief, and it's a very short book. So turn to the book of Micah. And Micah is preaching to the common people of the day. He's just everybody's preacher. And uh, he's preaching to the land of Judah. Judah is a mess. The land is in chaos. Guess what our land is? It's a mess. And there's a lot of chaos. And so we're going to learn some good lessons that God had for his people then that I believe God has for his people now. Now, what's going on in the land of Judah at this time? There's people stealing. 
the rich people are exploiting the poor people. Rulers are oppressing people. And false prophets are lying about everything. All right, so the land is a mess and God is not happy about it. And he tells us in verse 2 of Micah 6 that he's got an indictment, a charge. He's got a case against his people. He's got a dispute with them. And, and, and you may say, okay, well, what can we do to make it right? And that is the question they ask. If you have your Bibles, turn to Micah chapter 6 and read just verse 6 and verse 7 with me. Micah 6, verse 6 and verse 7. Here's, here it starts off with a question. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the, God, before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn to my rebellion, for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Then we get to verse 8. Verse 8 is the answer to the questions that have been asked. And verse 8 has been called one of the greatest statements in all the Old Testament. It's been called the perfect ideal of religion. And it actually, these words stand in the alcove, alcove of religion in the Congressional Library in Washington, D.C. Here's the answer. He's told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Don't you just love the simplicity of God's word? The problems can be so complex. And God says, let me just simplify it for you. And this is what I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Just follow these simple, simple truths. Lord, what do you want me to do? Number one is this. Not more religious rituals. <laughs> Say that with me. Not more religious rituals. I don't want any more of your shallow religiosity. I don't want any more of your hypocrisy. I don't want any more of you playing spirituality with your services and your sacrifices. God gets right to it. This is not what I'm after. I want a heart change. I want your heart changed. I don't want any more superficial, outward acts of religion. I want your heart changed, people. That's what he's saying. So he's saying the best sacrifices aren't good. You want us to bring burnt offerings and yearling calves, the choices of animals? Best cut of beef. We'll put it on the grill, God. It'll, that steak will smell great. Let's up the ante. How about bulk quantity? Thousands of rams, rivers of oils, 10,000 rivers of oil. He's using hyperbole exaggeration to make a point. I don't want your best gifts. I don't want lots of gifts. I want your heart. I want you to act differently. I want your heart changed. Well, let's up the ante again. And now he gets crazy. Child sacrifice. I don't want that. I don't want what the pagan nations are doing. I want your heart to change. Lord, what do you want me to do? Not more religious rituals. I'm sick and tired of your religious rituals and your heart not changing. What do you want me to do? I want you to remember what I've told you. That's the second thing. I want you to start remembering what you already know to be true. God is like saying, do I have to repeat myself again? Micah 6, 8, I have told you. He's told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires. So, so this is what God is saying. Open up the scriptures. You already know what you should do. 
Open up your Bibles. Stop walking around in an ignorant daze, mumbling to yourself day after day, things are so bad and I can't believe this is happening and I'm so upset and I'm so uptight and I'm so frustrated and I'm so angry and I'm just worn out over Open up your Bible. Read God's holy word. When's the last time you did that? Some of you can't even remember. Shame on you. When's the last time you got consistent with the scriptures? When's the last time you memorized a verse? Let's start with this one. Memorize it all week long. Friends, I want you to understand something. You don't need more news. You need more scripture. Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. Turn off MSNBC. Turn off NPR. Turn off social media. And open up your Bibles and get into the Word of God. We need more of the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God sheds light in the darkness. I'm just going to give you a bunch of verses out of Psalm 119. Your word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Man, it gives direction. Verse 130, unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Turn on the light, people. It's right there. What else does the word of God do? It's truth in the midst of so many lies. Oh, man, every media outlet is so biased. Get into the word of God. It's the truth. 142 of Psalm 119, your law is truth. 151, your commandments are truth. And then he says in one verse 160, if I take all of the word of God, the sum of your word is what? Say it with me. It's truth. So if I boil it all down, I have the truth. No fake news, just good news. It's the good news of God's word. What else does the word of God do? It gives me wisdom. Wisdom, what kind of wisdom? Well, verse 98 to 100, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. 99, he says, I have more insight than my teachers. He says, I understand in verse 100, more than the aged. Guess what God's word does? It gives you an edge over everybody and anyone. There is so much wisdom in God's word. Don't you want that kind of edge over everyone and anyone? Then open up your Bibles. Let my cry come before you, 169, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Cry out to him and open up your scriptures. And what else does it do? The word of God revives my weary soul. I've been weary. I know you have too. And every morning I get alone, I grab a cup of coffee and I go outside and I just open up the scriptures and it's such a refuge. And I just let God's word speak to me and give clarity. Verse 25, my soul cleaves to the dust. So what do you do? Revive me according to your word. Verse 50, my comfort in my affliction, your word has revived me. And then in verse 93, your precepts, by them you've revived me. See, some of us need a Bible IV. That's what we need. We need, a, we need a Bible IV. We need to be hooked up to the word of God, and we need to be pumped full of verses. And let it just revive our souls again. Because some of you are very, very weary. You need to be pumped full of the word of God. And I'm glad you're watching today. And I'm glad you're here today because we're going to be pumped full of scripture today because God's word makes a difference. He says, I've told you what is, what is good, meaning what's beneficial. And he's more than likely referring back to Deuteronomy 10 and, and other passages. And then he says this, I've told you what is good and I've told you what is required. And I love this because God says this, you don't have to meet 
anyone else's expectations. You don't have to follow everyone else's wants and wishes with everything that's going on in this nation right now. You don't have to let someone else whip you into an emotional frenzy and you don't have to have somebody else guilt you into what you should do or what you shouldn't do. So breathe a sigh of relief. Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to do what's good. And now what he's going to do is he's going to define what is good. And he's going to do it three ways. The first two ways, he's going to say, this is good, and it's going to be in relationship to how you treat and work with other people. And the third thing he's going to do in defining what is good is our relationship to God, that divine relationship and how we are to walk with God. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not more religious rituals. What do you want me to do? Remember what I've told you. Open up the scriptures. Thirdly, God, what do you want me to do? Say it with me. Do justice. Do justice. The word justice is mentioned six times in the book of Micah. Constantly. Justice, people. Justice. Justice. It means do what is right. Do what is right. Do what is right. And God's people then were not doing what is right. And my guess is some of God's people now are not doing what is right. And he says, do it. I don't want you to just know what is right. I don't want you to be educated in what is right. I want you to do what is right. Do justice. And he's calling on individuals. Now the context of Micah is people were stealing from each other and cheating each other financially. And so when it comes to money, God makes it clear, you better not be taking advantage of anyone financially. When it comes to money, you better not be cutting corners. You better not be cheating anyone. So he calls on individuals to do justice, but then he calls on the nation. He calls on the leaders, those in places of authority, to do justice. Micah 3.1. Here now heads of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? He says you should know better. One of the first rules of leadership is to do what is right. Know what is right and do what is right. And to treat all people equally right. Here she is, Lady Justice. She adorns countless courthouses, even the Supreme Court in Washington. Do you notice what is across her eyes? Tell me. She's blindfolded. Why? So she knows she shows no favoritism. Justice is to treat everyone equally no matter their color, no matter their age, no matter their sex, no matter their education, background, or finances, justice is to be equal for all. I have, I've been in touch with my African-American friends the last week or so, just texting and calling and in, in our church as well. And that's the cry I hear from my African-American friends right now. Scott, we don't want special treatment. We just want equal treatment. Just, just equal treatment. And whether we like it or not, our nation has a history of injustice toward African Americans. And, and many think, well, that's just in the past. Wait, 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 wait. The truth is, injustice still does take place. 
And I agree with Martin Luther King. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And when there's injustice, there's a sense of hopelessness. There's no one you can trust. It's just demoralizing. Well, how bad was the injustice in Micah's day? Micah chapter 3 tells us, You hate good, you love evil. You tear off their skin from them, wash flesh of their bones, and you eat the flesh of my people. You strip off the skin of them. You break their bones, chop them up as for a pot, and meat in a kettle. It's a picture of cannibalism. He's saying those in authority are cannibalizing the rest of the people. The, The injustice was so despicable. It was a despicable treatment of other people, other human beings. Dishonoring them, disrespecting them, and devouring them like objects to be consumed. And Micah is calling for justice. And you and I can call for justice. A call for justice is biblical. And a call for justice is appropriate. It is appropriate to protest. 100%. It's appropriate for those who hold to the Second Second Amendment. The right to bear arms. There's nothing wrong with protesting for, for that. We, ha- we have our rights. Let's do what's right. There, there, there's nothing wrong with a, with a protest of, of, of people coming together three weeks ago saying, we want our, our nation opened, our city opened, our businesses to be open. This, enough is enough. We feel this is unjust. That's okay to ask for justice. It's okay the last three days for for. For people to gather and say, we think what happened to this man in Minnesota is unjust. We want justice. We're tired of this. There's nothing wrong with peaceful protests. Now, nobody, and I mean like nobody, is for rioting and looting. And it's sad when a good protest is hijacked by evil people. But there's nothing wrong with calling for justice at all. As a matter of fact, God tells us to speak up. He tells me to speak up. He tells you to speak up. When you see injustice. Proverbs 31.8. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. And defend the rights of who? The afflicted. And the needy. And this is not just for kings to do this. This is for everybody. Listen. One of the most righteous men in all of the Bible. Anywhere in scripture. His name was Job. And I love this next passage in Job chapter 29. What made Job so righteous? Look what Job says. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. He says, I did justly and I did righteously. Well, what does that mean? He says, I was eyes for the blind. I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I investigated the case which I did not know. He heard of somebody being treated unjustly. He looked into it. Why? Verse 17. To break the jaws of the wicked and snatch the prey from his teeth. He said, I believe in rescuing people who are being treated unfairly. Do you know what Job is saying? Take personal responsibility when it's not your responsibility. And there's too many people just wipe their hands and walk away. I, I, I can't do anything about this. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I, I'm not sure. Take personal responsibility when it is not your responsibility. That's why I speak up and you should speak up for unborn babies. Made in the image of God. You should be speaking up on behalf of those who have no voice. Who are being ripped from their mother's wombs. 
We should speak up for children who are being trafficked into sex slavery. We should be speaking up. This is unjust and call for justice. We should be speaking up for the elderly. When they're taken advantage of financially or some way. We should be speaking up for minorities. When we see injustice in any area. Justice speaks up for all. How many of you love being in the United States of America and being a citizen? Amen. How many of you love our flag? Flying that flag, seeing the flag. How many, when's the last time you pledged allegiance to the flag? When's the last time? Well, you know what? We're going to do that right now. Just stand up. Let's pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Are you ready? Hand over your heart. Let's say it together proudly. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty, say it out, and justice for all. You're proud of America. You're proud American. You better be for justice for all. You love your flag? You better be for justice for all. I want you to understand, more than a pledge that we can say with pride for our nation should be the pledge we should have to, word, to the word of God and to our creator God. Why should we believe in justice for all? Because all have been made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. See, there's only one race. It's the human race. Read this with me. Only one race, a beautiful kaleidoscope of color. Each individual with the perfect amount of pigmentation in their skin. No one is better than another. Each hue and shade, tint and tone is an exquisite masterpiece sovereignly decided on or chosen, chosen by our wonderful and wonderfully made by the artists, okay, the, in the artist's image. Our ingenious creator obviously and absolutely loves what? He loves variety of humanity. Think about all the different kinds of people and different shades of colors he's made. Recognize and appreciate his work, each complexion, a beautiful canvas made up, making up the human race. The person you see who is different, a different color than you, is God's what? Is God's masterpiece. So every single time you see somebody who's a different color than you, that person is God's masterpiece. So listen very carefully. If at any time ever in my life or your life, We think we're better than someone because of the color of their skin or the color of my skin. That's racism. Anytime you, you see someone who's Hispanic and you think, I'm better than them, or Asian, I'm better than them, or black, I'm better than them, or white, I'm better than them. That's sin. And it needs to be rooted out and dug out as fast as possible. Because that is racism. And that is wrong. And may I remind you that we're all related, by the way. We're all in the same family, the human family. 
Acts 17, 26, we're reminded that, that he, that is God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. So every single person I'm related to, and so are you. And that's why we should cry out for justice. They're my relative. I'm related. Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to do justice. What do I want you to do? I want you to love kindness. Say that with me. Love kindness. I don't know about you. I, I've seen a lot of unkind people lately say things. I've seen a lot of unkind acts from people. I've seen a lot of unkind attitudes, hurtful things said and done. Now, I, I love this. He says, I want you to love kindness, do justice and love kindness. Did you notice he didn't flip-flop them? He didn't say, I want you to love justice. It's easy to love justice. Yeah, I love what's doing. No, I want you to do what's right, not just love it. And I want you to love kindness. And is doing kindness important? Sure it is. But it's easy just to do it. Well, I don't really care, but I'm just going to do it to get it done. No, he wants our heart. I want you to love kindness and love mercy. And I want your motives right in it. And I love how he uses justice and kindness because that's the balance we should have. Isn't that the balance we should have as parents? I should require what is right from my children, but there's also times I need to be very loving and merciful. And sometimes I can get out of balance as a dad. I, I tend to fall out of balance with justice. Boom, boom, boom. Some of you may fall out of balance with love. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay, people. <laughs> okay? So let's bring it in balance, God says. Let's understand toughness is important, justice, but tenderness is important as well. Kindness and, and balance those out. And kindness is also translated mercy. It's, it's the word hesed. It's a, it's a loyal love. It's a faithful love. And one way I've been working on this with my African-American friends and our nation and everything going on, is I think kind people and merciful people need to be better at listening. Not just throwing out opinions, but we need to listen. It's called empathy, being sensitive. It's Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those rejoice and say it with me. Weep with those who weep. And my heart's been breaking for those who are African-American that I know. And I've talked to them. And I've just asked them, tell me about it. And I'm just trying to listen to what they have to say. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Just listen to people's hearts without blabbing off. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 18.2 is a very important verse for everybody. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinions. I'm just telling you right now, fools are out in force right now. Fools are out in force. Everybody mouthing off their opinion, their opinion. Very few people willing to listen. Don't be a fool. Listen, listen, okay? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to come along with me to listen to two different phrases that I've been trying to understand. And I'm just going to tell you right now, these are trigger phrases if you're white. For a lot of white people, they're trigger phrases. The first one is this, black lives matter. Black lives matter. Some of you are triggered right now. <laughs> 
You hate that. You can't stand it. You're tired of hearing about it. I understand. Because all lives matter. Do all lives matter? Yes. And do blue lives matter? Yes. But do black lives matter? Yes. Yes. And, and so, but I want you to understand something. This is not a tacit approval of an organization. This is just the phrase. Black lives matter. And, and I, I, by the way, as a preacher, I, I know, I know right now, for some of you, I will not say enough. You're going to want more. And for others of you, I've said way too much. And you're like this. But you know, here's the truth. I don't seek to please you. I seek to please God. And I seek to preach his word. And so that's what I do as a preacher without apology. I preach his word. So, yes, I know all lives matter. Yes, I know blue lives matter. And, and I have wonderful policemen. There's policemen in our church I love dearly, okay? Um, but it is true, black lives matter. This cartoon kind of helps me. Black lives matter. Well, all lives matter. No means no. All words matter. Breast cancer awareness. Well, all cancer matters. Save the whales. All mammals matter. Yes, 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 they do. It kind of reminds me of the, the Boston bombing at the marathon a few years back. And, and you remember those signs everywhere? Boston strong, Boston strong. I didn't see anybody running around saying, well, Chicago strong, New York strong, Oswego Plainfield strong. <laughs> what? No, Boston strong and it's okay. It's okay. They're going through something. This little girl really helps me process Black Lives Matter. We said black lives matter, never said only black lives matter. We know all lives matter. We just need your help with black lives matter, for black lives are in danger. And you may say, nobody's in danger. That's your opinion. Shut your mouth and listen. And what you need to do, as I've done with some of my African-American friends, I said, would you tell me how you feel? Why do you feel Black lives are in danger. What does this mean? Help me understand. And so I want to encourage you to do that because Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool takes no delight or no pleasure in understanding. I don't want to be a fool, and I don't want you to be a fool, but only in expressing his own opinion. Here, let me give you another phrase. White privilege. Oh, I hate that phrase. Anybody else? I find that phrase offensive as a white man. I do not like that phrase at all. What are you telling me? White privilege. Because the first thing I heard that, when I heard that, I'm like, well, white people have worked hard and I've worked hard and we've earned what we have and don't diminish who I am as a human being telling me everything's been handed to me. But that's not what others mean by white privilege. Well, what does it mean? As I've interacted with my African-American friends, this is what it means. Scott, there are hassles that white people don't go through that minorities do. There are issues of trust. We, there's times I'm just mistrusted because of the color of my skin. That a white person is not necessarily mistrusted. So you may say, I don't get that. 
well, I watched a video. I watched a TikTok video of all things. I don't watch TikTok. I don't even know what TikTok is. But anyway, I'm old. I'm a grandpa. But anyway, so, so but this was a great video of a lady, and she listed all kinds of things out, and she said, put your hands up. So if you feel comfortable doing this, just put your hands up. Put your hands up with your fingers out. And I'm going to read through a list of 10 things. If these things have ever happened to you, just put a finger down if they've happened and see how many fingers are left, okay? If you've been called a racial slur based on your color, put a finger down. If you've been followed in a store by someone unnecessarily, put a finger down. If someone of an opposite color that was coming at you as you were walking on the street crossed over to the other side of the street to avoid passing you, put a finger down. If someone clenched their purse in the elevator with you when you got on, put a finger down. If someone stepped off the elevator immediately to keep from riding with you, someone of an opposite color did that to you, put a finger down. If you've been accused of not being able to afford something expensive um, besides your spouse <laughs> when you went to buy it. Or how about this one, number seven. You've been stopped or detained by police for no valid reason. Every single time, my finger's going down on that one. <laughs> right, uh-huh, yeah, every time I've been speeding. Or the person driving with me was, but anyway. Here's another one, number eight. You've been bullied solely because of the color of your skin or your race. You've been denied service because of the color of your skin. Put a finger down. Or you've had to teach your child how not to get killed by the police. Put a finger down. How many fingers do you have left? If you have all kinds of fingers up, that's what it means by privilege. It means you just don't face hassles that minorities sometimes face and mistrust that minorities sometimes face. Now, I will say this. Not everything is racist, people. Right? Not everything is racist. And, and I talked to my African-American friends about this, and they said, absolutely. They said, we have friends at times who think it's racist, and we've had to pull them aside and say, that wasn't racist. So not everything is racist, so don't automatically assume it was racist when it may not be. I would also say to us who are Caucasian or white, don't automatically discount something as not racist when it could very well have been racist. Here's some wisdom from God's word. Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So it is good to weigh everything out, get both sides of the story. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7, love. Great love chapter. Love, what does it do? It believes all things. So you know what? Start giving people the benefit of the doubt. Stop assuming the worst in people. Because love believes all things. And there's so many other issues out there, so many other phrases and words and concepts. So this is what we're going to do as a church. Um, this coming Wednesday, we are going to have a special panel discussion right up here. And you're all invited. We're going to Facebook Live it. It's going to be on the Internet. We're going to invite the churches open. You can come here as well. Uh, I've got three of my friends who come to our church who are African Americans, uh, Van Bates, Keith Cross, uh, and Marco King. They're going to join Pastor Andrew and I up here. And we're just going to hash through this as brothers in Christ. And we're going to talk about police brutality, and we're going to talk about black-on-black -black crime, and we're going to talk about kneeling at the flag, and we're going to talk about white privilege, and we're going to talk about a MAGA hat, and we're, going to, we're just going to throw it all out. 
and say, as brothers in Christ, let's work through this. Let's understand. Listen, we have the solution as Christians the world doesn't have. We have the same Holy Spirit in us. We have God. We know him. So let's model this for the world. Because only we can get this right, people. And we need to get it right for the world. What a testimony for the world. One last thing. Do justice, love kindness, and what? Walk humbly with your God. See, the others are impossible without this one. We really can't do justice and love kindness like we should until and unless we walk humbly with our God. And, and we know this. There are no laws you can enact, no legislation you can put in place that is going to work 100% on this. Should we change laws and should we have laws? Absolutely. But laws don't change the heart. Only God can change our hearts. And so we must walk humbly with our God. And so if you're watching today or you're here and you've not received the Lord as your Savior, that's where it starts. It starts with realizing there is a God who became a man to save us from all of our sin. And that humble walk starts with realizing I am a wicked sinner and I need forgiveness. God, would you save me? And so I want to encourage you to trust the Lord as your Savior if you haven't. But that humility with God needs to continue. And so for some of us here today, through the message of his word, your heart has been pierced. You've seen areas of sin in your life that you need to deal with. And I want you to walk humbly with your God right now. And you need to confess that sin. You need to ask God's forgiveness. If there's any trace of racism, you need to repent of that. I was talking to my African-American friends, they, and I walked them through my message, and one of them said, Scott, you got to call on, on the African-American community to repent as well. Well, I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? I call on everybody to repent. So he said, this is what I've struggled with. He said, anger. African-Americans right now are struggling with anger, and we need to repent of that sin. And so that may be you. You've just been so angry and hate-filled. you got to give that to God. And, and all of us got to stop lumping everybody in the same groups and look at individual people, masterpieces made by our creator, God. And Jesus is the perfect example of humility and justice and mercy. He paid the price for our sin on the cross, justice. He offers us forgiveness mercy. And so repent of any and all sin and give it to God. What have we learned today? We've learned, Lord, what do you want me to do? Number one, say it with me. He doesn't want us to do more religious rituals. No more hypocrisy. Please don't do more things. Change, let's change your heart. Remember what I've told you. So what do we need to do? Open up the Bibles. Start reading the scriptures again consistently every day. Do justice, love kindness, and what? Walk humbly with your God. So if you're watching right now at home or you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your Savior, this is where it starts. And I just want to invite you to trust the Lord as your Savior. And you may say, well, what do I do? Right now, just close your eyes, bow your head. And for you who are believers, would you pray right now? Intercede for those who, who may be joining us who don't know the Lord. Call out to God. And just call out to the Lord right now. Just say words like these, Lord Jesus. I need you. 
Would you please forgive me of all my sin? Thank you for coming to this earth to die for me. I repent. I turn from my wickedness, my sin. And I turn to you. I place my faith in you alone. I can't save myself. I place my faith in you alone. Lord, please forgive me. Please save me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.